0: And son of Nun refers to this man in the Bible named Joshua. Joshua is one of my absolute favorite men in the Bible because Joshua was not a girly man. Joshua was not a little pansy. Joshua was, he's like the Chuck Norris of the Bible, if I can put it that way. Joshua was intent, man. He was a warrior. And we look at this book here and, you know, his dad's name was Nun, which... I mean, if, if your dad's name is none, you've probably got a chip on your shoulder anyway. You probably grew up rough. But Joshua, here he is, man. He was born into slavery, and, and he, he made it to, you know, initially uh, got rescued out of Egypt. They make it to the Promised Land and all this stuff. And him and Caleb, as you know the story, they go in with the 12 spies. Only Joshua and Caleb have a good report. The rest complain and are afraid. So God says, get out. We're going to make you guys wander through the wilderness for the next 40 years until all the fearful people die off and then the true warriors can go in. And so, you know, I'm catching you up here a little bit. So Joshua, at the age of 85, takes over for Moses, who died about 120 years old. And so if you think 85 is old, well, if your mentor is 120, you probably feel like a young man. And so here he is. He takes over for for Moses And one of the first things that we looked at in our first lesson, on this is Joshua 1, 9, it says, But this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. But one of the biggest things that, that God was telling Joshua right there is you've got to meditate the word. And so meditate means to repeat and to speak to, to yourself. And so Joshua, when he took over, he walked around all the time speaking the law, speaking the word of God. And people are probably thinking, man, this guy's crazy, but you don't mess with Joshua because Joshua is crazy. You don't want to go there with Josh. And so he's speaking the word that he has all the time and Joshua becomes A mighty, mighty, powerful man. And then we saw in Joshua 1a where he says, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And. Courageous. Courage means the ability to do something that frightens you. And so, yeah, Joshua was intimidated. He's taking over for Moses, like, I mean, everybody's man. And he's taking over for this. And he was a little intimidated. But God told him, be strong, be courageous. Because, Joshua, you're not in this on your own. You're not in this fight. You're not doing this on your own, Joshua. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what in the world is wrong with you. But God is with you wherever you go. And that wasn't just for Joshua. That was for you in 2016. God is with you right now, no matter what you're facing. And God is on your side. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God's for you, who cares what's against you? You have a chance. You're going to win if you'll do things God's way. So this week we're in part 3 of Son of Nun. This is normally again a Sunday night series, but we're going to do it on Sunday morning this week. And so this week we're at the point where Joshua and the guys they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And this is a very exciting story out of the Bible. But we're going to show you three things that happen before they can make it all the way into the promised land. So let's go ahead and uh, we're going to open in prayer here this morning for this and we're going to get started. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for bringing us here today. Lord, we thank you that we have a church to worship in. We have a church to learn your word in. God, we're thankful for that. I pray today that as we're gathered, you're going to speak to our hearts, Lord. You know what each one of us is facing. We're facing different things today, but you're the answer. And we know that you're going to to meet those needs today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. And so here's the first thing that had to happen. And the first thing you're going to have to do to get into your promised land. The first thing right here that was said to him is this, get clean. You've got to get clean. And you're thinking, man, what are you talking about? Let me show you this. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. So let's open our Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 3. All right. Glad to see we got a, we got a little excitement in here still. That's good. Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 5. And so, I mean, things, things are lining up here finally for these guys. They're getting ready to go in and cross the river. But here's what Joshua comes out and tells the people before they can make this trip, before they can enter in. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And sometimes, man, God has some things He's wanting to do in your life. There's great wonders that the Lord wants to do for you. There's great things. I mean, there's a promised land waiting right there for you, but you're not ready for it, man. You're not ready. You haven't purified yourself. You haven't gotten clean. You're you're still living in the same old mess that you used to be in. And don't do the don't judge me baloney because we're way beyond that. That's not a mean thing to say that you got to get clean and you've got to fix some things in your life or you're not going to get there. We're trying to help you. You are not going to get into the promised land living a filthy life and doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. That is not mean. That is love right there. And that's what Joshua said to these people. He's like, guys... We're finally there. It's taken 40 years. We're at the doorstep. We're going to cross that river. You guys, you've got to purify yourselves. You've got to get ready. Because if you're not living right, if you're a mess right now, it's not going to work. We need you guys to be pure and holy and ready to go tomorrow. Because tomorrow, the Lord is going to do great wonders among you. And the people were on board. They didn't jump up and say, you're a bigot. We hate you. Don't judge us. No, they didn't do any of that. They said, all right, that's it. We're going to do this. We want what God has for us. We want to enter in to that promised land. And so that's what happened here. And, and, you know, before we can reach the promised land, we're going to find out that there's different obstacles that we have to get past. Has anybody seen that, man? You, anybody, you've ran into some obstacles in life and you're like, man, I didn't know that was going to be there. All right. We're going to have to find a way around that. The Israelites found out they had a river to cross. They had a wall to go tear down, but the first thing they had to get past was themselves. They were the first obstacle. And sometimes we are the first obstacle to our success. We are the ones holding ourselves back because we don't want to change some things. Because we're, we're too afraid to look in the mirror at and, and, and what we see. And we're too afraid to say, you know what, I've held on to this. But I've got to admit, this isn't God's best. This isn't what God wants for me. And, and, and until you can reach that place where you can say, i got to purify myself, I know this is going to take some sacrifice, I know this is going to take some time, I know that I've held on to this for so long, but until you're ready to let go, you're not getting into that promised land. That's not mean, that's love, that's what God was saying to these guys. And I know that we live in a generation now, unfortunately, where we're told that it doesn't matter how you live your life, even if you're a Christian. The truth of the matter is, is that it does matter. It does matter. You know, the Bible, he said, be holy for I am holy. You want to be like God? I want to be more like him. I know I'll never get all the way there. There's no way. But I want to get more and more like him than what I am right now. And because of that, I have had to let go of some things in my life. I've had to cut some things off, maybe cut some people out, cut some things off the TV, off the computer, cut some different things out. But in the end, guess what? When I've got to the next level in life, I don't miss a single one of those things that used to hold me back. Not a single thing do I look back and say, man, I wish I would have held on to that. You think the Israelites, when they got into Canaan, when they got into the promised land, they're looking back and say, man, I wish I could have kept that. I wish I could have held on to that. Because the promised land is so much sweeter ...than what you're holding on to right now. Oh man, you cross that river, you tear down that wall, you get into that place... ...you are going to laugh at the day that you said, I can't believe I wanted to hold on to that stuff... ...that was holding me back, man. I can't even believe, that's hilarious, that I, that I even wanted to hold on to that stuff. But listen, you've got to get clean, you've got to purify yourselves... ...because God wants to do some great wonders among you. Well, how do we get clean? How do we do this? Well, obviously you call upon the name of the Lord, but I want to show you something here... And that's in Ephesians chapter 5, so hold your place in Joshua, but flip to Ephesians 5, and I am trying to move quickly for you today, just so you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 25, so when you're there, give me a big amen. Are you really there, or were you just saying amen? Okay, alright. I mean, some of you, you, got, you know, you're fast, but Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And all the ladies in the house said? Amen. Okay, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water of, by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that we should be holy and without blemish. Now, of course, this, you read some of these verses talking about... Husbands and wives, which is a good thing. Husbands, you need to honor your wives and treat her good. We know that much. But it's also talking about Jesus' relationship to the church. And it says that Jesus washes us, how? With water by the word. You spend time in the Bible. You read the Bible. You come to church. You do these things. You're getting a word bath every single time you come in here. Jesus is scrubbing some things off. And sometimes, I mean, I've got kids. All right, let's get real. Those kids get filthy. They get dirt in areas I didn't know you could get dirt in. And so they'll come in. We've got a backyard. Of course, it's full of dirt. And so they'll be back there playing. I mean, we bring them in and throw them in a bubble bath. And it is insane the amount of filth that is left over in that bathtub when I drain it. But sometimes, man, I've got to scrub some of that. Katie, we've got to scrub some of that stuff. And it takes some effort. And sometimes they say, oh, you're scrubbing too hard. Sometimes I come to church and I've got some stuff on me that it takes a little bit of extra effort. You've got to scrub me down with the word sometimes. But in the end, I walk away so fresh and so clean. It's beautiful. And that's what God intends for us. And yeah, sometimes it hurts a little bit. It's a little uncomfortable. Sometimes you read a passage out of the Bible and you say, man, I didn't really, I mean, that rubs me the wrong way. But guess what? Just because you don't like the truth doesn't change the fact that it's true. And the truth will always set you free if you'll receive it and if you'll walk in it. And so that's what God's trying to do here. Jesus washes us by the word. Jesus washes us by the word. And the word of God will get you clean if you'll jump on into it and you'll take it seriously. Amen. Amen. All right. Number two today is this. Number two. We're getting there. I told you. We're getting to Canaan. We're gonna get there. Step into the river. And what do I mean by that? I mean, have some faith. Step into the waters, even if it seems crazy. Even if it seems like this is nuts, you've got to step into that river. Let's look at Joshua chapter 3. Once again, Joshua 3, verses 14 through 16. And let's see where these guys are at now. So they've purified themselves. They're clean. They're ready to go. They've got nothing holding them back. Joshua 3. Verses 14 through 16, it says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. And so here we are, man, this isn't just a little creek. This isn't the Mojave River we're talking about, guys. All right. I mean, I could go across the Mojave right now. But we're talking about the Jordan River and harvest season. This is more like the Colorado River. This was raging waters. This was intimidating. You're going to take your wife and your kids across this stuff and your animals and all your possessions. This was a pretty big deal. They were getting ready to step into this river. So here they are. The river was overflowing its banks because it was the harvest season. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zerathen. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Maybe you've read this story, but look at this. This, a second ago, was a raging Colorado River, and within a matter of minutes, it's dry as a bone like the Mojave It's just sand out of nowhere. That's a miracle ...of God that's just taken place... And you may not be that appreciative for what happened, but if this was your future and you just hiked for 40 years and you've just brought your kids and they've seen all the destruction and everything that it's taken, all the all the sweat and blood and tears you've put in to get into this promised land, everything that you've gone through comes down to this moment, yeah, you'd be pretty thankful that the riverbed went dry and that you're getting ready to walk across this thing into there. And it says, then all the people cross over near. The town of Jericho. So these guys, they stepped into the river. And this was an intimidating, scary thing if you didn't know that God was on your side. And so you've got to know this. That between you and your promised land, there's a Jordan River. Between here and there, there's a river. There's a Jordan River. And you're going to have to dare to cross it. You are going to have to get up the gumption, the courage... That God said to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. God's with you. You're not doing this on your own, but you're going to have to take that step. You've got to get in there. God didn't stop it until their feet got in there. God didn't stop it until they took that first step. You've got to take the first step. What is it that God's speaking to your heart today? If God's telling you, if God's giving you direction, maybe you need to make some changes here. Maybe you need to do this. Maybe God's telling you this over here. Things are going to change until you take that first step and do what it was that God's telling you to do. And you've got to know this, too, that God always does things differently than we do. Have you noticed that? <laughs> he doesn't usually take what we'd call the easy way, but he always takes the right way. He doesn't always, He. he God, it seems like God never takes the easy way. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, he just threw money down out of heaven? Whoa, here you go. You need. You prayed for money and it comes. I mean, that would be the easy way. But no, that's not what God does because God's a loving father. And a loving father doesn't just throw things at his kids and never make them learn anything, man. And we know, I'm not saying God throws bad things at you. We We know that much. But I am saying that God will let us fight the good fight of faith. We will fight the good fight of faith because that's part of being a Christian. And we got to know where to go for our source. And so a loving father, yeah, he's got the answer there the whole time. He's got the miracle, but you're going to have to get into the Bible. You're going to have to meditate some scriptures. You're going to have to find something to stand on. You're going to have to pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and learn how to fight with that thing. Because it's not just going to get thrown at you. It's not going to happen. And Joshua, I mean, he's, if anybody, he learned this lesson. He learned how to fight. He could have said, I am 85 years old, man. I've been wandering out there for 40 stinking years. And it's not even my fault. I had the faith to go and It's everybody else's fault. And sometimes, man, maybe you've been held back. Maybe you're in a situation and it's not your fault. You didn't have a thing in the world to do with it. It's not right. It's not fair. You did everything right, but it still happened. Guess what? Complaining and feeling sorry for yourself isn't going to get you into the promised land either. It's not going to happen. Pity doesn't help you. But what Joshua did was he, he did what God told him to do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You've got to meditate it day and night. Day and night, Joshua. You've got to get this stuff. You've got to speak it so much that you believe it. And, and listen, if you've been speaking scriptures to yourself All day long. I don't care what anybody else thinks. If you've been speaking scriptures... Man, whenever Satan knocks on that door, you don't have to sit there and think about, oh my gosh, I better Google some verses quick. I better call pastor. I better get the prayer chain going. I better, no man, whenever he knocks on the door, dude, you open that door and there are scriptures blazing out of your mouth, man. You can't wait for a fight. And that's how Joshua was, man. He couldn't wait for this stuff. He was born for it because he was a warrior. He was ready for a fight. And that's the type of guy that I want to be. I mean, I'm not looking to go out and get physical altercations, but I am looking for a spiritual fight. And whenever Satan wants to engage with me, listen, I am more than willing to answer him. And I am not afraid of the devil. I am absolutely not afraid because I know the end result. We have overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we love our lives so much that we are afraid to, to shrink back from it. So listen you got to be like Joshua. you got to get some scriptures. you got to learn to speak them just like Joshua did, even if everybody else thinks you're crazy. Because, listen, it's okay to, to be a little bit crazy. I mean, I've, I've become comfortable with that. I don't, I don't mind people thinking that I'm a little bit different and that I'm a little bit crazy. So if you see me walking down Main Street talking to myself, I'm probably speaking scriptures. I, I probably am. All right? Now, something interesting here, though, you know, I said God always does things differently than us. Isn't it strange that as they're getting ready to cross this river, as they're preparing for battle, he sends the priest in front. He sends the preachers he sends and he sends the Ark of the Covenant this held the Ten Commandments and it held the presence of God which at that point they didn't have the Holy Spirit inside their hearts yet so we have a massive advantage over what these people had anyway and so they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they send the preachers out there first. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd send the warriors out there, those, you know, those infantry men with their swords swinging. And if this was a movie, they'd be charging across the river like gladiators. Freedom! But no, they didn't do that. They send the preachers out there and they slowly walk into the river, holding the box on their shoulders and standing there and peacefully wait for everything to calm down, everybody peacefully walks across, and it's this, this beautiful, sweet, little loving moment is what it seems like. And, and you know, it, it, why is that? Because this was the presence of God, and the lesson for us as New Testament Christians is this, is that you want the presence of God to always go before you. You want to follow the presence and the Spirit of God because it smooths things out. It will still the troubled waters. It'll make a path for you if you'll follow the presence and the Spirit of God. And then you read later on that the priests were also the last ones to leave the river. They were the first there and they were the last because the presence of God went before them and behind them. It surrounded them on every side. The Spirit of God made a way and it followed behind them. And we know in the book of Isaiah, and Jesus himself said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. God's going before you to clear away, and He's coming behind you to make sure you get there. He goes before you and behind you. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. And if God's writing the beginning of my book and the end of my book, I know it's going to be a good book. It's going to be a success. It's going to be a book of victory if I'm the one letting Him write the pages to this book. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the alpha, and he's the omega. And so we've got to let him go before us. And so I'm just asking us this today. What is it that's tried to scare you in your life and hold you back? What is it that's stopping you from crossing that river? What is it? And one thing comes to my mind whenever we face down our fears, and whenever we we're standing at the edge of that river, looking down at it, saying, man, this thing's it's pretty big. I mean, you know, we've been through some stuff, but, but this, is, this is pretty intimidating. If God brought you to it, he's going to lead you through it. If God brought you to it, he's going to lead you through it. But you've got to let him do it. You've got to do things his way. So many people, all of us, at one point or another, we've got there. And we're still trying to do things our own way. We're still calling the shots in our life. Listen. I stink at calling the shots in my life, man. I've made some serious screw-ups for the times that I've known God wanted me to do it one way. I know the Word says this. I know God's speaking this to my heart already. But for whatever reason, that doesn't make sense to my head. So I'm going to do what makes sense to my head. Listen, that'll lead you wrong more often than not. Follow your heart. Follow what God's saying in there. Follow the Word of God. It'll never go wrong. It may not make sense. It may not make sense, but it always works. There's a lot of things in the Bible I have no idea. I don't, I don't understand everything in there, but I do my best to obey everything in there because all I know is, is that it works. You know, sometimes you go to the doctor, they'll give you some medicine, and I'm not the type of guy to sit there and say, well, how does it work? Can you explain everything? I mean, that's fine if you're like that, but I'm just like, hey, I trust you. you I'll take the pills, and they're going to work. I don't need to know how they work. I just know they work, and that's sometimes the way it is when I'm studying the things in the Bible. Like, I don't understand every little thing, but I just know that it works. Quit trying to call your own shots. Quit trying to do things your way. I say that because I want every person here to cross the river. I want every person here to get into the promised land that God has for you. And I know you're beautiful, wonderful, smart, intelligent and all this stuff. But you're not smart enough to figure it out on your own. You're just, you're not. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough, you know, strength and resources and everything else to buy your way across the river, to to forge your way. No. No. You're going to have to do it God's way. And until you realize that, you're not getting in there. And that's, I mean, again, that's not being mean. That's just telling the truth like it is. Until you do things his way, you are not crossing that river. You're going to be held back. Some people, for the rest of their lives, they will never enter what God has for them, ever. And you can look at that and say, well, that's not fair. You know, God, God didn't let me in. No, God wanted you to get in. He made a way. But you wouldn't take it. You had to do it your way, and it didn't work. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-three. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three. Familiar verse. Please hold your place in Joshua if you're flipping. Psalm 27, or excuse me, Psalm 37, verse 23. Although Psalm 27 is awesome if you want to go there at some point. But Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered. They are directed by the Lord. So, I mean, listen, I'm not afraid to say that I'm a righteous person, not because I'm cool and good, but because Jesus made me that way. The blood of Jesus washed me clean. And so, if you're a born again Christian and you've received Jesus, man, this verse applies to you. You are a good man. You are a good woman. You may be sitting there looking at yourself saying, well, I've, I've done this, I've done that. No. If you've talked to Jesus about it, if you've repented, then it's over. You are a good man. You are a righteous woman. And your steps are directed by the Lord. If you're living for God, you can Fully expect that God will direct your steps just like he did for the Israelites. You've just got to listen and do things his way. Say it with me. Do things his way. You've got to do it his way. Because there's no other way. So you've got to step into that river and live by faith. And the third thing is this. Here's what I'm coming to right here. And this is the exciting part of this story. You get to tear down the wall. Oh man, there's nothing better than tearing down a wall and kicking some behind. All right? And so the Israelites, they get there, they've crossed the Jordan, and here they are in Canaan land. But once they crossed that river, there was still another fight that had to take place. They got across. But now they've got to tear down the wall because the first city they come to is a place called Jericho. And Jericho is a city with massive concrete fortified walls surrounding the entire city on every side. I mean, this place is built to keep people out. This is an amazing top of the line city for its day and here they are they've crossed the river they've got in but there's still another battle to fight and so an angel of the lord appears to joshua and comes up with their game plan and it's an incredible game plan it says this uh they're supposed to march around the city walls one time a day for six days have you ever heard this story so they march around the city one time a day For six days, and once again, the priest would go in front, not the warriors, not the soldiers, but the priest would go in front. And on the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, the priest would blow the horns, and everybody would yell really loud. Now, I'm not a military, you know, I'm I'm sorry I don't have that experience, I'm, I'm not a great war mind, but to me, this battle plan sounds like just about the lamest thing I've ever heard. Seriously, you're going to go, your your weapon, you're going to yell at them? Can you imagine if we send our soldiers into battle and their only weapon was, Ah! They are just yell at people and that's what we gave them? But again, God's ways, they're different than ours. They don't make any sense. If I was Joshua sitting there talking to the angel, I'm like, okay, I got, march around, okay, every day. On the seventh day, okay, seven times gutted. This is going to be very intimidating. They're going to see millions of people. Okay, this, this makes perfect sense. Okay, and then what? Okay, and then yell. Okay, what? yell at the wall? We're going to look like fools. We're going to be a bunch of clowns down there with a bunch of preachers and blowing on horns and yelling at a wall? This makes no sense. And listen, I get it. Maybe God's telling you he's spoken some yard, you don't know why. You may not even know why you're in this church today listening to me. You have, what's going on? This is the weirdest thing ever. Sometimes God's ways His things. They don't make a lick of sense to our mind, but they always work. God's ways don't always make sense, but they do always work. And so if God tells me to go yell at a giant concrete wall, Look out, because you're going to see Pastor Dave face-to-face with a brick wall yelling at the top of his lungs. I'm going to do what God said to do, especially if he brought me through 40 years of wilderness and I'm still alive somehow. Especially if he made me cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Especially if he sent provisions and healing and everything I have needed for my whole life. If God says to do it. I don't care if you think I'm nuts. I'm going to do it because I'd rather you think I'm a fool than God think I'm a fool. I'm going to do things his way. And so their game plan is to just go and yell at this wall and watch what happens. And, and so, I mean, you're familiar with the story, but they're getting ready to do that. And one thing that you've got to keep in mind is this. You've got to keep this in mind is that God sees things you don't see. God sees things that you don't see. He has a much higher view than what you have. Much higher view. So, uh, for example, if I'm driving, you know, down the road here in my car, I can pretty much see my, you know, immediate surroundings. Especially, you know, if there's traffic around, I can probably see, what, like 20 or 30 feet in each direction. Because I'm like, I'm down at ground level with these issues. All right. And I've ridden in semis and stuff before. I'm at a little bit of a higher level. I can see a little bit further down the road. Okay, I mean, it's still like not that awesome, but but I've got a little bit of a higher view now. On top of that, I've ridden airplanes like most of you have. And in an airplane, I can see stuff hundreds of miles away hundreds of miles down the way. And, and and that's basically what it's like right here with God. You're down here in your little two seater go kart smart car, beep beep, looking at ten feet in front of you, and you've got somebody sitting in the heavens with a much higher view than what you have. He sees you can you can't you can't see what's gonna happen thirty seconds from now, can you? You have absolutely no idea. I'm liable able to do anything, all right? But you, you have no idea what's going to happen when you leave here today. You can't see five minutes away. You can't see an hour away. God can see 2,000 years from now. God knows what's going to happen to you this week. God knows what you're going to eat for lunch on Thursday. God knows who's going to win the game tonight. God knows everything that's going to happen because he's like that. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's got it under control. So how crazy would it be if I'm down here? here in, in my car, driving along, and I've got somebody up ahead, you know, in a helicopter or something, they're like, hey, up there at this intersection, there's a wreck, you need to go around, and I'm like, man, shut up, no way, I'm doing this on my own, I'm going to push right through that, I've got this, I'm a man, I've got this, and, and the pilot, the guy upstairs, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, I see this coming, if you'll just listen to me, I will save you a whole bunch of trouble, I'll save you a whole bunch of heartache, Just do things my way, and it's going to turn out all right. You're going to get to the destination. But too many times we're down here in our little smart car beep. eh, No, I'm going to do it my way. You can't see anything, man. You have no idea what's going to happen. Don't be like that. And Joshua got this revelation. He knew, okay, this makes no sense. But God sees things that I do not see. God has ways that I can't even begin to imagine. If God, I was going to go in and, and bomb the place and, and cut up. But all right, if God says to yell, we're going to yell. That's what we're going to do. And so they listen, they obey, and they're going to do things God's way. So I'm going to show you something here in Joshua 6:16. 6, we're getting to the good part here. We're getting to the exciting stuff. Joshua 6, verse 16 and so they've been marching around. They've been doing what God says. They've, they've, they've done their laps. But here they are, the seventh day. Joshua 6, 16, seventh day, seventh lap, it says. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And so here they are. Everybody starts shouting at the top of their lungs. And they were taking a risk. This was a shout of faith, because what if they shout and nothing happens at all? What if? And so many times God's given you instructions. God's told you what to say. He's saying, praise me in advance. Shout right now. Go ahead. You can believe me right now, even though you haven't seen a thing. And we're saying, "Okay, I think I'm going to do it. But what if I praise and nothing happens? What if, I, what if I, I quote these verses and, and it seems like nothing happened? What, what if I do this? What if, what if I do it and nothing happens? You've got to make this shout of faith because if you won't shout while the walls are still up, the walls are never coming down for you. It takes faith. You've got you've got to be so confident that God's going to keep his word, that God is a man of his word. And the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. God can't lie. He's not a human being. People will lie to you all day long. God won't lie. He's not a man. He doesn't lie. And so he's saying, you go ahead and you shout right now, whether you feel like it or not. That wall may be higher than it's ever been, but you shout now or it's not coming down. And so... The people, they're listening to Joshua. And, and, and you know what? You may, you may take that step of faith. You may say, okay, I'm crossing the river. I'm gonna tear down this wall. I'm gonna do what God's saying to do. But you're gonna have well-meaning people try to keep you from tearing down your last wall. I will tell you that right now. There may be people that say, listen, we're your family. You're, you're doing the church thing too much. We're your family. I know we, we all believe in prayer, but we all believe in God, but I think you're taking this a little too seriously. You've got to look at the facts. You, you've got to do this. You're going to have well-meaning, good-hearted people that are going to try to come in and stop you from tearing down the last wall. Do not listen to them. I don't mean that mean. Don't listen to somebody that's not at that level of faith that you're at. And I'm sorry, but I mean it. When I was in the hospital dying... My parents would not let people come into the room if they weren't people of faith. If you came to feel sorry and give pity to little David Samples, you were not welcome in that room. We appreciate your heart. We appreciate the sentiment. But we don't need pity right now. We need a miracle from God. We need to tear down this wall. And if you want to come in and feel sorry for us, if you want to come in and and shake, no. I don't need that. I need people of faith. I'll talk to you after the wall's down. But for right now, I'm going to shout. And so that's what we did. So somebody could, you know, the the carnal or the weak person would come up and say, Joshua, don't you think that's a little presumptive to shout and expect it to fall down? And Joshua could probably say, no, that's not a little presumptive. That's a lot presumptive. I presume that God's going to do what he said. Faith is presumptive. And so, yeah, I presume that God's going to keep his word. I'm presumptive. I'll do things that don't make any sense to anybody here if it's what God said to do. I presume that if I obey the word, if he says shout, I'm going to shout. And that wall is coming down. You say, we're going to take this city. We're going to take my children. We're going to take my healing. We're going to take what the devil has tried to hold back for all these years. And we're going to take it now. We're shouting for God has given us the victory. All right. So if you can't shout in advance, then it isn't faith. Because there's a lot of people. Listen, I've been in situations where I've stood in faith and nobody believed it was going to happen. Then when it did happen... All of a sudden, here comes the committee. Yay! Woo, let's shout! Let's celebrate! Wasn't that awesome? You know what you want to do to those people that doubted the whole time? I mean, listen, you want to go chug Norris and give them a roundhouse kick straight to the face. But you can't do that because the New Testament says that, you know, thou shalt not wrestle thy neighbor. So you can't do that. But. You know, when those people want to come in and they want to, sh- hey, the wall's down. Okay, come on everybody, let's shout now. The wall's down. Yay. You know, love them, be nice to them, pat them on the back. But we know the truth and we know that we weren't afraid to shout while the wall was still 200 feet tall and poking his finger in your chest saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to, your kids are not going to ever come back to the Lord. I'm going to steal your money, your job, your marriage. I'm stealing everything from you and there's not a thing you can do about it. You know what I say to that? Ah, I'll shout at it, man! I don't care. I will shout right in your face, and you can think I'm a fool for it. But the walls—they don't stay up in my life. The walls come down every time. Now look at this: Joshua 6:20. Here we go: Joshua 6:20. Joshua 6, verse 20. And so they—they've done what they were supposed to do, man. They've paid the price. They've put the time in. They've obeyed God. They've shouted. And even when everybody else said, no, you're crazy. There's people on top of that wall with bows and arrows. They can see what you're doing and you're yelling at them. They did it anyway. Joshua six twenty. it says this. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. The walls collapsed. They didn't just stand out there and say, ah, ah, ah. And you know, they, they didn't just stand out there like a bunch of little, I'm sorry, a bunch of little girls. They got out there and they shouted as loud as they could because they knew What this had held them back for their whole lives. They were born as slaves. They were born with nothing belonging to them. They've been slapped around and kicked their whole lives and told what they couldn't do. And there's always something holding them back. But they said, not this time. This is everything I've dreamed of. This is what I've worked my whole life for. I am not going to give up now. I'm not going to give 50%. I'm giving it everything I've got. And they yelled at the top of their lungs. And guess what happened? happen suddenly oh man suddenly there's so much power in that word man you've been working at this for 40 years and suddenly at that moment boom the walls come crashing down and they didn't just stand there and say oh my god it worked no they that they picked up the swords and they charged into the city You can read the next few verses. They're a little gruesome, so I'm not going to read them today. But they went in and they started cleaning house, man. They kicked everybody out except for Rahab and her family. They kicked everybody out. They cleaned house on that place and they took what rightfully belonged to them. There are things that rightfully belong to you. Your dad paid for him. If my dad bought me something, you're going to give it to me, and you're not going to hold it back. It's mine. My dad paid for it. My dad paid for my peace. I'm talking about my heavenly father. He paid for my peace, my joy, my salvation, my provision, my healing, my children, my inheritance. He paid for all this stuff. And if you want to say that I can't have it, look out. Because we're going to fight, and I'm going to yell directly into your face at the top of my life. We are going to fight, and I'm going to take what belongs to me. The promised land belongs to you. There are things that belong to you that you don't have yet. But they still belong to you because your dad paid the price. So if you want a man, you've got to get up and you've got to fight for him. And I challenge you today, man, whatever it is that's been holding you back, you yell at that wall, you tear it down, you charge in there, and you take what God got for you, man. You take that promised land, it's yours, and you're going to get every single bit of it in this life. I know the heaven awaits me, but I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to receive the goodness of God. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen now in the name of Jesus. All right? Amen. I'm going to go ahead and just shut up right there, but I t-